everyone, welcome to the Rotor Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Thursday, it's October 29th, it's 2020, and we're here to talk some college football for Thursday and Friday and give out some CSGO winners for the two-game slate uh, for today as well. I'm joined by a friend of the podcast now, Sean Newsom, um, PSU fans too. How are you doing, Sean? Not too bad. Just getting caught up on the week for college football. We've had a big week in soccer this week with uh, Champions League going, Europa League going. So just uh, getting through another week, uh, seeing some bigger prize pools with some of the main sports ending. Uh, we saw some big prize pools in MLS today. We, You and I were just talking about before we hopped on about CSGO tomorrow and how decent the prize pools are. Yeah, I love seeing it. Like these, these CSGO contests have been filling up faster and faster and like I was just looking at like NASCAR, like the truck contest for Friday is like 80K, 20K to first. Like that's like, that's like midsummer, like prize pools for the truck series. So um, I love to see it. Like you hate to see like basketball and baseball and all this stuff end. But if we're going to get some of these um, niche sports, as we like to call them um, with some bigger prize pools, that's always fun. And, you know, that's kind of what you and Fear My Turtle, Alex, do here at Roto-Grinders. You guys run the premium specialist package that covers NHL, college football, college basketball, soccer, MMA, WNBA, esports. I'm probably forgetting things, but for the most part, anything that is not MLB, NBA, PGA, and I know I'm three, MLB, PGA, NBA, NFL, PGA. Yep, four. There you go. Four of them. Um if it's not part of that or my NASCAR stuff, like you guys cover it. So um, you guys can definitely check that out here at Rotor Grinders. Like now's the time. Like now's the time. Get the core four plus the specialists. Take advantage of the awesome stuff that we have here for NFL and pay for your pay for your subscription with uh, you guys' stuff over here with the specialist stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a great time to get in. The next uh, two or three months, we're going to see some big increases on stuff. And, and you also are going to see a lot of people playing that don't normally play. So if you can get in there and get an edge on people, it's a, it's a great time to get in there. And then not to mention, you just carry it on once everything starts back up because in a lot of these sports prize pools remain at least relevant for people, unless you're playing like 10, $15,000 a slate. Like if you're trying to play like 50, a hundred dollars a slate, I would recommend sticking around in sports like this compared to sports where, you have NFL or NBA where you just are sort of a small fish in a big pond. You might as well be a big fish in a small pond because uh, it works a lot better in DFS that way. Yeah. Like, Hey, listen, like I've been playing CSGO um, DFS contests ever since we've kind of gotten them. And like, you see some really bad roster construction. So like these sports, like even with bad roster construction, you can hit, with NBA, with NFL, with stuff like that, like, you know, look back to this past weekend, you know, Blender and I went back and we looked at the review for NFL and like, you could have bad roster construction and crush this week because the chalk went insane. Like you're not typically going to win at CSGO and even LOL, like the esports stuff with bad roster construction and like soccer, you talked about it. What was it last week or the week before how, like if people are trying to stack games, you're just going to collect their money and tell them, thank you for paying the rake. Yeah. There's so many sports within these, these niche areas that people just don't really know what to do. And it's not even that they don't know what to do. Like they're flat out playing people that just are not in like uh, the amount of head to head games where I just get where someone plays two to three people in college football, where they're flat out, just not going to play. Like 
in NBA, you play someone that, like, let's say you have a guy projected at 12 minutes and 12 points and another guy plays a guy at 10 minutes and 10 points projection, well, you might lose that quite frequently. It's really hard to lose when the other guy plays a guy that's going to get a zero. Zero is not difficult to beat no matter who you put in. Um, so you, you got guys that just pop in a bunch of zeros. You see soccer lineups all the time where people just will play guys that are not in the lineup. If people aren't in the lineup, they can't accumulate points. So you don't really see that in sports like NFL and NBA because the news is so prominent, but you see it a lot more frequently in the smaller sports because people still want to play them, but they don't have the time to research them. But then there's no info out there for them to research properly. So they make massive mistakes that just give you huge equity and your ROI in the long run will be better in these sports a lot of the time than they will be in more mainstream sports. Let's talk it. Uh, we got college football this week and like, this is fun. Like we don't, we're not talking showdown this week um, for our Thursday and Friday kind of podcast that we've been doing here. Like we have a two game slate on Thursday, three games slate on Friday and um, no showdown. So let's get into this. Uh, we'll go over the Thursday slate first. It's the two, it's the two game slate. We'll go game by game like we always do on the podcast here. We got South Alabama Jaguars against Georgia Southern Eagles. Um, I can I can put money on it that, Sean, you and Alex have been um, doing more research on these teams than probably the scouting reports from the you know the opposite teams. Yeah, it's a good possibility, especially we, we were joking the other week. Uh, Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns have been on like every slate all year so we've seen them like seven times so i know like their fifth string running back and their 13th string receiver um so yeah we've seen teams like this like we've seen georgia southern we've seen south alabama quite a bit but you you get used to some of these teams like i think we've seen south alabama on slates like four or five times this year most people don't know who they are or anyone on the team but we've seen them four or five times we have a pretty good grasp of what you can expect from them um, so let's talk about this one first. Uh, what do you like from this game? Yeah, so quarterback's going to be a bit concentrated on this slate for a couple reasons, but I think there's actually a GPP play um, in one of them. So if you look at the quarterbacks in this first game, for Georgia Southern, uh, Shy Wirtz is probably going to be one of your best cash plays on the slate. Uh, he's 5,500, but he runs a triple option. So you can expect him to have around 15, 17 carries over the course of the game. And he's a guy that you've already seen this year. He's put up 14 carries for 155 yards and a touchdown. Well, you don't need to do too much else at 5,500 if you're going to get 155 yards and a touchdown. That, that plays pretty well. Uh, so he's going to be one of the more chalky quarterbacks on this slate. Grand, there's only four, but we'll get to it more in the next game. There's really not four. Um, so then you look at the George or you look at South Alabama and Desmond Trotter, I think is actually an okay GPP play. The, the issue with him is he's currently splitting snaps with Chance Lovertich, but it's been shaded more towards Trotter and he's actually more mobile. Um, and I think part of the reason they've been splitting is because he was banged up earlier in the year. But if you get to a situation here where he might get some more snaps than he has been getting, he might be at 80, 90%. Um, it's one of the few areas on this slate where I think you can differentiate a little bit from. So he's really solid. Uh, when you look at the running backs, J.D. King is sort of a volume eater for uh, Georgia Southern this year. In the triple option, he's been getting the main workload from it. Um, he's a power running back. He's not going to catch many balls, but he's probably going to get you 20-plus carries and is very likely to get 100-plus and a touchdown on the ground. 
Um, and the other side, we actually see, despite this being such a small slate, and there only being four teams on the slate, there's quite a few running backs that are getting really heavy volume, and Carlos Davis is similar. Uh, he had a dud last week when he was really heavily chalk in the night slate, but he's a guy that is just getting huge volume. Two weeks ago, he had 33 carries. So he's a guy that's going to come out, get volume for you. He's not the most talented, but he catches a few balls out of the backfield, which is always nice. Um, looking at the receivers for this game, Georgia Southern, you don't really want any of their receivers. With the triple option, they don't really throw the ball much, so there's really not much to go after. Uh, flip side, though, for South Alabama, uh, Kawan Baker and Jalen Tolbert are each home run hitters that don't get – the mass target volume. However, when they get their volume, it's generally downfield and they get some big uh, chunk yards. So with Tolbert, uh, first game of the season, we saw him come out with six for 169 and two. And then last week, Kwan Baker went nuts and he had six for 154 and three. Uh, there'll be not very many receivers on this slate that are super playable. So you look at these two guys, these two guys can just break a slate for you and it's a good chance that one of them does but playing both of them might be difficult. I like it. Um, any interest in like Kennedy to be different um, on the Georgia Southern side? Yeah. So Wesley Kennedy is actually a really strong GPP play. I think as well uh, before the season, like last year, him and JD King split a lot more evenly. And he actually, I think was the more prominent back for them going into this year. However, he was banged up to start the year and just has not gotten the volume that King has had. But he's more of like the speed guy that has a little bit more pace to him than that of J.D. King. And he's definitely a guy that could go out there and break off a couple big touchdown runs for you. And like I said, there's four really good running backs in this play. He's not within that four. But so if you want to differentiate a little bit, he could be a good option to go for. The other game, we got CSU and Fresno. Um have they just not been on a slate at all this season? Is that why, like, on DraftKings, it looks weird when you're looking at the scoring? Yeah, so, well, the scoring still busted from, like, three weeks ago. So, like, the game logs aren't even fully updated for anyone. But That's even uh, better, right? Like, that's that's what we want to see. <laughs> like, let it, let it stay busted. <laughs> like, like I just told you, Kwan Baker had that massive game. It's not in his log. So, people can't see that massive game that he had. Um, so it's, it's something that's not there. Similar to with like Carlos Davis, people can't see his 33 carry game from the week before. So uh, it's still broken. However, Colorado State was supposed to play for the first time last week, but they got COVIDed out and did not play their opener. I think it was against UNLV and Fresno did play. They played against Hawaii and did not look very good, um, but they did get a game in that we've seen. So like they are a team that we've been able to see, which again, it's helpful because you don't really get to see the game logs unless you actually research up on them. All right. So, or you could just look at projections and build teams off of that. That's, that's, that's what I'm going to do on this two game slate. Like there's no MLB. Everybody's going to be playing football um, NFL. So like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to swerve and play some college football here. So, uh, talk to me about this one and just kind of go over what you're looking at in this one. Cause it, it does seem like Fresno is going to be without a couple players, right? Yeah. So Fresno is without one of their leading receivers in Zane Pope. He is not going to play. And then I believe their tight end. We just got news today that Juan Rodriguez is out for the year too. So that's two of their better receivers uh, that will be out. But yeah, you look at this game and you look at the quarterback. So this is what we talk about with, you can't really see things. So Jake Hayner last week, he had like 17 carries, 
but you can't see it. It's not in his game logs. And if you even click and look at the, the notes, the news and notes that were provided, it doesn't show that. There's no indication that he ran that much. So people don't really know that he's going to be that much of a runner. And to be fair, before I started doing the research, I did not know he was going to be as heavy as a runner as he was in that first game because I looked up his high school stats, actually, and he was not a massive runner in high school. So uh, I was surprised by that. But on the other side, and this is sort of why I talked about quarterback ownership will be a little bit more concentrated. Uh, Colorado State has not announced their starter. It looks like it's going to either be O'Brien, but he missed a good portion of fall camp, or Todd Sentio, who is a transfer from Temple. Uh, Sentio runs a bit, but it looks like O'Brien probably is going to be the quarterback. But they had their depth chart release, and it was a three-way or situation between um, O'Brien, Sentio, and I think McCoy. I'm not sure on the third without having it directly in front of me. Yeah, it was Justice McCoy. And so it's a really tricky situation for them at uh, quarterback. Looking at the running backs, Ronnie Rivers played like 85, 90% of the snaps against Hawaii. And he's just a guy that has been around for a while and we're pretty confident with his workload. And he's a guy that catches the ball well out of the backfield. You can probably expect like three to five targets for him. He's probably going to get 18 to 20 carries. And last year, Colorado State pass defense was pretty decent. The reason their pass defense was pretty decent was because their run defense was absolutely atrocious and teams just didn't need to pass on. They just ran all over him. So Rivers is probably the top running back to play on the slate. And then on the flip side, uh, Colorado State has brought in Steve Adazio at head coach. Uh, Adazio is pretty inept head coach. He's from Boston College. And if you look at some quotes from him, he definitely does not know what he's doing. And he's basically like, we're going to run the ball. We're going to establish it. And we're going to run the ball. And that's basically what he did at Boston college. And that is why he was fired and is now at Colorado state because he just has a very poor offense. But with that comes lots of rushing attempts. Uh, it looks like Marcus McElroy is probably going to be the lead running back there. And I like him quite a bit. And then the receivers in this game, Fresno state rotated really heavily last game. So there's really no one I like that much. And flip side with Colorado state, there's not tons at receiver that you like either due to the offense that Adazio runs. However, the offensive coordinator is from Ball State, and they threw a bit more. So I think you're probably going to end up playing a Colorado State receiver or two, honestly, in this slate. But that's just because of lack of options from Fresno State and Georgia Southern and the fact that it's really hard to play both South Alabama guys. Um, anything else from this one, or we want to move on to the, the three-gamer here? I think from receiver perspective, you could look at some of the Fresno guys for GPPs. I think Carrick Wheatfall uh, is an okay GPP play. And I think there's some GPP plays like Jalen Cropper for Fresno State in this game. But I think the key to the slate from a GPP perspective is going to be what you do at receiver. Um, the, the four running backs that are all sort of stand, stand alone at the top are all really solid running back plays. And the quarterback plays seem pretty straightforward to me. Uh, the only things that, that are very off are the receivers. And the reason I say that is the two best receivers are both the South Alabama guys, but they want to run the ball a lot. And one of them will probably not have a great game. So I, I just think receiver is going to be the, the difference on this slate at, in the GPPs. All right. Well, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. It seems like a, 
a pretty interesting slate. I was able to build a team as we were going, so I'm just going to hit enter and um, see how it does. So I'll probably look at projections tomorrow, not going to lie. Um, let's talk about the Friday night slate. So this was supposed to be a four-game slate. Um, Marshall and FIU canceled, right? Postponed, I, I guess we'll say. Um, so they're not going to play. So we got a three-game slate on Friday. Um, some solid prize pools. Like we have a 50K Friday night special with 10K up top um, for a three-game college football slate. So I think that's awesome. So let's get into this one and just kind of go over, you know, we'll do the same thing. We got the Golden Gophers against the Maryland Turpins. Um, what do you like here from this game? Yeah, I will tell you what. Our buddy Fear the Turtle is a Maryland fan, and he is not going to have a great time this year because Maryland is a train wreck. Um, <laughs> they got to his brother, Talia Tegavaloa, and he did not look good, and there's a reason why Tua is the better of the two um, after he transferred over from Alabama. But Minnesota is kind of what you want in a DFS team. They are very, very concentrated. Uh, Tanner Morgan is okay. He's nothing super special, but he can have a good game here and there for you at quarterback. The, the two guys that you really want to look at from Minnesota is Muhammad Ibrahim. He's going to be the main guy this year. In the, their opener against Michigan, they trailed pretty much the whole game, and he had 26 carries, and he had a massive volume um, along with, I believe he had six or seven targets, maybe even more uh in this game. Um, so he's a guy that you're probably going to get 25 plus touches out of. And Maryland is a total train wreck. So look for him to be a big dog on this slate. And then if you look at the receivers, uh, Rashad Bateman is the alpha for this team. He had often out and he's probably a top couple round draft pick in the NFL, but came back once the big 10 started playing again. But Bateman is, very clearly the alpha on this team. I would expect him to have like a 30, 35% market share on their targets. Um, and he's going to have big plays and everything. Um, on the other side of him is actually Chris Autumn Bell, who I like a bit too. Um, the, the issue is, is that this offense is going to be very, very heavily driven to Bateman. But Autumn Bell played almost every snap. I think he played all but one snap in the opener. So at 4K, if they decide to shade towards Bateman, it could open up a bit more for Autumn Bell. Um, on the opposite side for Maryland, uh, Tagovailo looked awful, but he's pretty – in GPPs, you might be able to play him. Um, they're having issues with their top running back, Taven Fleet Davis. They ran three guys in the first game, but the thought is that if he's back, they're going to have like a four-man rotation. It's very ugly. And then uh, the receivers are also not appealing at all, although Rakeem Jarrett is a – top 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 end prospect that went to maryland why i have no idea but he was like a top 20 prospect in in the nation um he has offers from lsu alabama literally everyone in the nation he was like the second receiver in the entire nation clearly isn't great um from an intelligence standpoint because he decided to go to maryland but he's 3k and they are clearly going to try to get him involved it, it, like uh, Alex is not going to like you talking smack about his boys. I, I already did earlier today. He was talking up how good Rakeem Jared is. He's like, look how good this kid is. I'm like, clearly he's lacking the uh, the intelligent factor because he, he went to a team that literally doesn't have a quarterback that can throw him the ball. So how, how, how intelligent can he be? 
Um, anything else from this one, or we want to move on to um, East Carolina and Tulsa? Um, I think we can move on. I don't think there's tons else on Maryland that I would look at. And really, there's not much else on Minnesota. It's very concentrated for them who will get the volume. All right, let's go. ECU, um, Tulsa. Like, what's funny, I had a scholarship offer from ECU. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, no chance that was ever happening. Um, any interest here in this uh, in this one? Yeah, so uh, if you look at ECU, I think that they're getting their starting quarterback holding on. Ehlers back and he has the ability to be a really really strong play because he has really good running ability the issue is is that sometimes he just takes quite a few sacks but for 6300 he's definitely one of the quarterbacks you'll be considering on this slate um, for running back for ECU they are going to be getting um, Darius Penix Jr. back uh, he was out I believe both were out for COVID reasonings last week but in the meantime since he's been out Rajai Harris has been going nuts for them. And he put up a massive 172-yard game and, two, and touchdown the other week against Navy. So it's a situation where I'm not sure how much volume Penix is going to take back from Harris. Um, and then looking at the receivers, Tyler Sneed is their slot receiver. Uh, he's a good play, but he shouldn't be 6,200 in my opinion. The, the guys I would prefer to look at are C.J. Johnson and Blake Kroll. Uh, they're both underpriced and they're play. They play about 80% of the snaps and they have been known as target guys. Last year, Johnson had like three back to back to back, like 15 plus target weeks. Um, the targets haven't been there as much for him thus far this year, but he still had a big game where he had like five for 102 and two touchdowns. So at 3,700, I, I like Johnson quite a bit. And then if you look at the flip side from Tulsa, Zach Smith, doesn't really have much upside. Um, he's completely immobile, which which hurts as a college quarterback. And they really want to run the ball, and they do not want to pass like 40, 50 times. So the only way you can really play Zach Smith, I think, is in GPPs with like allers on a bring back and hope it's a game stack. Um, so I really wouldn't go to him. The running backs are a bit interesting. Last week, TK Wilkerson didn't travel. We have no idea why. It wasn't announced until the broadcast, like, Five, ten minutes in, they just said Wilkerson didn't travel for unknown reasons. Um, but with that, Denaire Prince and Taylor played quite a bit, and they both had good games. Uh, but it just is very difficult to pinpoint which of them will produce. So I think both are GPP options. And you could talk yourself into one being a cash option um, if, if you want to pay up a little bit more receiver. But it's, it's a tricky situation. And then the receivers – uh, Keelan Soaks is really strong, but Sam Crawford Jr. has actually been really underpriced most of the year. His volume has been really good all year, and I was actually sad. He's been like 4,500 to 4,800 most of the year, so seeing him at 57 was kind of saddening for me, but um, I think both of them are really strong options, and then you could look at Juan Carlos Santana a bit more for GPP reasons. Um, anything else from this one? Um, there's not tons else I would say. Neither team is rotating super heavily at receiver. You probably are going to only have four or five guys at receivers for these teams. So it's a decent chance that one of them has a really strong game. The Tulsa guys have been really concentrated in volume where they've had like four guys get like between four and eight targets each game. And it's sort of like rotated who it's been. Um, and then ECU, like I said, 
Snead has a 12 target game. Blake Prohl actually has an 18 target game um, on the year. So there's some volume to be had at reasonable prices in this game. We finished it out. Um, was it Hawaii and Wyoming? Um, there we go. Hawaii. Yeah. What a what a combination of a football game. Like, <laughs> think of like Wyoming, and then like think of Hawaii. Like um, these two teams are playing football, and like wh- whoever is traveling in this one is like, oh, this is not like home. Yeah, it was unfortunate we didn't get the Marshall game too. You got Marshall and Florida International. That's a, a sort of a very similar <laughs> aspect. Oh yeah, man. Like anytime I think Marshall, I think of the movie and all yep. those kids, man, that's just crazy. But um, all right, well talk to me about this Hawaii Wyoming game. Yeah. So this game, I actually, in previous seasons, Wyoming has had a really, really strong defense and they've not really let teams move. However, they got shredded through the air against the um, Nevada Wolfpack in week one for them which was strong, which was surprising because we're not used to seeing them get just absolutely lit up in the air. But you look at this game and you're going to see on the Hawaii side to start, we're going to see Chevin Cordero. And Chevin Cordero is a guy that's been around for a few years. Actually, funny story. I had one of my best showdown slates in any sport ever with Hawaii. And what happened was 25 minutes before the game started, we had news that the starting quarterback had an appendectomy and was not going to play. So he was like 13 K because Hawaii basically plays the air raid and their quarterback runs a lot. And then he also throws the ball 60 times a game. So basically I ended up having like 10 K down on a Hawaii showdown where basically everyone had like 13 K captain the quarterback who was out with the appendectomy and i got to play cordero at like 5k in the same exact role because of that it was it was a wild slate but anyways sorry about the rant there um so you got cordero cordero is a guy that has been around for a couple years he's had some massive massive games uh last year he had a game where he had 309 yards passing three touchdowns, 55 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. Massive, massive game. So it's a guy that can just fill the stats up. Uh, So he's probably the best quarterback on the slate. The the concern is that the Wyoming defense is better than what they provided against Nevada. But with what he can do on the ground, with what he can do in the air, I think you're going to have to take risk for him. Um, Miles Reed has been around for a few years too. I, I never really liked the Hawaii backfield. However, he got 21 carries last week. So the volume actually was there. And it seems like he's sort of the guy that's going to be the running back this year. And I actually think he's okay for them. So at running back, I think he's okay. And then we get to the res- the receivers. And Rico Bussey is a transfer from North Texas. He put up some massive, massive stats when he was at North Texas. And he fits in super well into the Cedric Bird role, which was a role that had like 100-plus catches last year. And then on the other side, we have Jared Smart, who actually is Keith Smart's son, Stevie. All right. From from the NBA coaching. Um, no, I, 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 I put two and two together, right? Yep. Yep. So we actually – and I actually think Jared Smart is an NFL receiver uh, that isn't really talked about, but I really like him. I think he's a really strong receiver that can – uh, put up some decent games. So you have the two of these guys. It, it's really strong. And then on the flip side, 
Uh, Nevada's quarterback broke his leg or something last week. They carted him off and he's done for the year. But Levi Williams is their new starting quarterback. And Levi is a guy that can carry the ball 15 plus times a game. So he's another guy that's going to be someone you're really considering. But the real gem on this slate and in this game is Xavier Valade. Uh, Valade is just a massive, massive volume eater. And the wide defense is not very strong. And regardless of their strength, if they had one, Valade is so involved in both the rush and pass game, it really doesn't matter. Uh, we look at just last week, and th- this is pretty indicative to what a season was like last year, too. Um, in the first game, Valade had 22 carries. Uh, didn't have a great game. He only had 87 yards on those 22 carries, so it wasn't great. He also had seven catches for 44 yards. Uh, Valade is a guy that I would expect to have around 30 touches. And I would say you're going to get six to eight targets from you're going to get 20 to 25 carries. You can probably expect 150 to 200 yards and two touchdowns from him. So Valade actually has one of the highest projections we've seen a running back have the entire season on this slate at 31.23 points. And our projection form actually indicates him going for 120 yards rushing over a touchdown, and then also three carries for about 40 yards or three catches for 40 yards in the air. So uh, it's just a really, really strong spot for Valaday. Got to love volume guys in college football, right? Like, you know, well, like NFL too, like in general, we love volume guys in general. So um, anything else from this one? Um, There's not much else. Uh, The receivers for – Wyoming aren't the best. Uh, the, like I, as you can see by Valaday's volume, when you get that kind of volume, there's not much else to go around. But you nailed it on the head. Like, if you got guys that are going to get 30, 32 touches, it's very, very difficult for someone with, let's say, 12 to 15 touches to really beat someone that gets 32 touches. It's just very difficult. Not to mention the person with 32 touches floor is just going to be so, so high that it's hard to beat from a cash perspective um the only other thing i would add is the hawaii receivers nick martiner is a six foot six receiver that's rotating in and then they had another receiver um zion bowens those were the two other receivers that were heavily rotating in for hawaii and you find them at 3700 and 3k they did not get the targets or the receptions that these other guys got in week one but they play the snaps, and we saw this with Hawaii last year. They had four guys. They played almost all the snaps, but some weeks guys would just not really be involved, and then the next week they would have, like, 15 targets. So it's a situation where I think from a GPP perspective, looking at the cheap Hawaii receivers is a good way to approach things. Take a shot. It's, you know, 10K up top. Go get that money. Like, um Listen, we have a big slate on Saturday this week. I know um, you guys will be covering it. I know there's all kinds of videos and stuff that you guys do for the big slates, but Halloween, um, Halloween or college football, like uh, big tournaments over there on DraftKings for college football this weekend. 50K to first place, $18 tournament. Um, So if you want projections for that, if you want slate analysis, stuff like that, um, make sure you guys are checking out the specialist package. Nobody works as hard as these two guys to find out information on these teams. Um, 
listen, it's a, it's a crazy season. You've talked about it already with like how these beat reporters and stuff are getting like information. So uh, you guys are doing the best you can. So make sure you guys are checking those out before we get out of here. Isn't this is so I know like we, we've talked about it, you know, you were super like high on like LOL and stuff like CSGO when it first like came out and like, it was the only thing going like this CSGO two game slate um, for Thursday is so interesting because usually on a two game slate, I want to go like three, three as far as like roster construction, but like I am leaning towards like two, one builds on this CSGO slate. And it's it's so interesting because like I don't ever like looking at two ones and like this is the second day in a row that I'm looking at like two ones and you know we have vitality against complexity but all four of these teams are like top fifteen teams in the world that's what Blast Premier is like Blast Premier regular season like it's all the top teams in Europe some of the United States teams are actually over there like EG got crushed two maps in a row and got like knocked out of the tournament super fast so. Um, this one's interesting because like complexity lost one of their players, but they signed one of the one of the best rifle fraggers from Hundred Thieves. So like they upgraded massively, but they haven't played a lot of matches together. This is the first match they're gonna play together. So like, could complexity beat Vitality? Sure, but like Zaiwu's target, like his market share of kills is just so high. I haven't looked at your guys' projections yet, but I would guess that Zywoo's the highest projected guy. Like his 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 market share of kills and his kill to death ratio is just so high that like you almost have to have him as a core play. Like him and Simple are like they're, they're the two two of the best players in the world, and like you almost always have to play these guys as like captains. And like Zywoo, I think is a core captain play on the slate. So. Um, I know you're pulling up your projections. I can see you over there, like um, laughing. Like he, he's the top guy, right? Yeah, he is ten points better than anyone else on the slate, as he uh, should be. He's, he's first at seventy six points, and then Xantaris is second. And that's that's the other game, like the big phase match. Like big should crush phase here. Olaf Monster, he hasn't played it in a while with this phase like roster. Nico left. Nico's the carry. Nico was the in-game leader. Nico was the best player on this team. He's a top five player in the world. He has been for years. Like he joined G2. They play next week. Um, G2 is going to be insane, by the way, adding Nico. Like what a huge upgrade that's going to be. But so this is interesting, right? Like big should crush phase here. Like Zentaris, Sirison, like these guys should go nuts in this game. But like Brokey and Cold Zero should get a higher market share in kills here without Nico on this team. Like, FaZe is still going to be somewhat competitive. They're not going to get beat 16 to 0, let me tell you. So, like, it, it's interesting to go like Xantaris, Saracen, maybe like a Brokey or Cold Zero. Um, but, like, in the first game, like, you can go Zywu and like Apex has been really good recently. He's in really good form right now. So, like, I would probably put Apex up there and like, and then look at like a config or like a blame F like blame is a guy that has a really high market share of kills. Um, and then you can even take a shot on like JKS, the new guy, um, hundred thieves player came over with hundred thieves kind of closing up shop and he's going to be good. Like he, he's already good. He's going to make this team really good. So, um, I like both these matches. I think you can go two one in both these matches. If you want to go three, three, I favor vitality and big, but in tournaments, I think complexity, 
is going to be a lot lower owned than Vitality because everybody wants to play Zywoo and you should. Like we saw Simple. Simple was 75% owned in the captain spot on Wednesday. 96% owned. Like, and you had to have him. Like, he's just so good. It's just crazy, man. Yeah, it's a situation. I, I got a question for you on uh, on uh, CS Ghosts from uh, just just not necessarily a DFS question, but what is the age in which people generally fall off in CS:GO? And I, I just am curious because of League of Legends. Like, it's wild to me how short the shelf life is of these players from a perspective of. Once they hit like 22, they're just over the hill and start coming down. And it's kind of wild to me just because we talk we talk about professional sports and like the average length of a professional sports player's career and how long it is. Um, but esports, it's wild how guys quickly just fall off because they just the reaction times, the reaction times go. What's the age that CSGO you generally see fall off? Or do you not really know like what the age would be that you generally would look at that? No, it's um like obviously there's a drop off, but like, it, it really depends on the player. Like, you know, simple, simple came onto the scene four or five years ago. Um, he came over to North America and played with liquid because like he, this guy just couldn't get along with anybody in Russia. Um, so like he was this good that like he got kicked off of two teams for like fighting with team members liquids. Like, Hey, you can make a huge impact in NA. And he did make a huge impact in North America, but he got to the point where like he just couldn't play with like they just weren't meshing and like you know Navi's a Russian team and like he just went back and like Navi paid him a lot of money. But he's like 23 and like he's still the best player in the world. Um Zaiwu is 19 and we all know how good Zaiwu is. Like some of the older guys, like Cold is I think Cold's a little older. Um like he's like 25, 26. Um like some of the like Forrest is a little older. So I would say like 28, 29. Like I played with Tarek growing up. Um, so I know he's a little older as well. So not like LOL at 22, but you know, obviously, you know, guys that are good, like Device has been around for five, six, seven years, and like he's still an elite player at 25 years old. So um it, it's not like LOL, but listen. I, I think anybody that's not playing well, there's always a bunch of people waiting. Like a lot of these teams have academy teams now. So like if you're not playing well, you're gonna get, you know, like there's a lot of money in Europe, CSGO. It's it's massive. It's like LOL in like China and stuff, how massive it is. Like I can I if I had to guess, I would say G2 probably paid FaZe over two million dollars for Nico. Like yeah. that would be my guess. Um, like that's like this is a top five player, and I think that's kind of what like I would guess that's where they paid for him. Yeah, it's wild, and it, it's really nuts to 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 see this stuff going with all these sports. And I think one of the most underrated things in esports, and, and it's something I've seen in League of Legends, and I assume it's similar in CS:GO. And like you've played a bunch of games, I've played a bunch of games. Is you got to be able to get along with people in these games because, like, look, when you're playing at this high of a level, things are going to go poorly at times. And if you things if things go poorly and everyone's just so toxic, it makes it very difficult. Like I, I've watched quite a bit of League of Legends over the last year, and I, I've been around like I've followed Fortnite the last three or four years like heavily. Like I played a lot of Fortnite, and if you just see toxic players or people that are toxic, 
it just can bring down everything because it just wears on people so heavily emotionally when they get on and play every day and it's just toxic. So, so much of things is team chemistry within League of Legends, CSGO, any of these, these esports because you are literally spending in, in let's say like football or hockey or all this stuff. Like you spend like two hours with this person, you spend three hours practicing. These esports, people are spending 12 hours a day seven days a week playing with this person like you know ins and outs of these people's lives and if you don't get along with people it makes it very difficult yeah like these guys like these guys are like playing against bots for like hours a day just memory like muscle memory like you know that's kind of what like these pros are doing each and every day so and and, like you know I, i think online csgo has been very unpredictable like I, I can tell you from someone that has followed like CSGO for a long time, um, it is a lot easier to predict like live tournaments outside of like these. Cause like some of these teams boot camp and they're like, I, I know Nip for Ninjas and Pajamas, like they have three of the top 20 players in the world, Rez, Plopsky, and Knock. Um, but like they, they have a, they have a campus, like they, they have a house. Um, and they like these guys live together. They they practice together every single day. So like those guys are you watch them get down some rounds and like they're always fist pumping and stuff. And like you see like Navi get down and like this is why why I hate online CS when it comes to Navi in general. They start losing rounds and like they just don't bring it back. And they have two of the top ten players in the world, like Electronic and Simple, are two of the best players in the world. And like. They're, when they're when they start losing rounds online, man, like it's really hard for them to bounce back. And we see them get two would all the time. And it's like these guys never get two would online on land, like ever. It's just crazy. So I think um, we have a tournament coming up in the next couple of months where it's I think we're going to have a land tournament. So um, over in Europe. So I think, you know, that's going to be a huge edge for CSGO players. I can't wait for that tournament. Yeah, the, the LAN events are just so much better because you really see who performs on stage. Because when you're sitting in your living or in your, your room in your underwear, you're a lot more comfortable than you are sitting on a live stage. So watching people perform at the absolute top level that they can play at is, is nice to see. So like uh, the online stuff, and that's what you see. Like I feel like so much of the online stuff has just been people getting an online game and they just view it the same as like their practice that they had on Tuesday because – there isn't much of a difference compared to like when you're on stage in these live events, it's massive difference. Yeah. Like the, I, the extreme masters global challenge 2020 is coming up in Germany. Um, and like, it, it's such a hard tournament to get into in, in general. And it has a $500,000 prize pool. And like, it, it's going to be an, a land tournament. And like, we're just going to see such different play than we've seen over the last few months. It's going to be really interesting to see um, like, and like we a lot of these guys like stream like you know how we like go on twitter and we're like looking for beat writers you can go on twitch and search for names and like see who's streaming and like practicing when it comes to like csgo um and and just try to get as much edge as you can like who's boot camping like who is practicing as much as like i i won a couple tournaments last week in csgo because like i picked up on phase like i i watch nico stream all the time and like they were practicing a ton on certain maps that they had been struggling on. And like, they went on to win a tournament. Um, I think it was IEM. So, and like, I was just, I was on it before anybody else. And like, Hey, I rolled it right. And like discord kept calling me crazy for thinking phase was back. And, um, 
I wrote it all the way, buddy. Uh, so like, there's always, there's always edge. There's edge in anything. And like in these niche sports, man, you just gotta, you just gotta put in the work just like you would put in the work for like NFL. Um, that's it, Sean. I think that's it for us, man. Like I said, um, as far as like the CSGO slate goes tomorrow, I would definitely be betting on big, big time. Um, I think Fade's going to struggle, but I do, I could see cold zero or rain or like Brokey doing well. And then like, I think vitality complexity is going to go three maps. I think it's going to be extremely close. And I think if you, want to be different even if you want to play zywoo i think you play like two complexity players with zywoo and just hope that like he gets his plus 20 and nobody else does anything so a lot of ways to be different sean always fun man um one last time give us a give us a rundown here of the specialist package at road grinders yeah specialist package we are gonna have everything going we have cs go we have league of legends we got college football we got college basketball coming up we got tennis so while you're sitting there and looking and there's no big mainstream sports going on. We have stuff going every day, all day, all year. So uh, make sure you get in there. And uh, Stevie mentioned earlier, be in the discord. The discord has the best news that is broken. The discord is worth the price of admission by itself. Anything you get on top of discord access is gravy. Uh, so many times we're just dropping something where a player is out or someone is in and it can just drastically change a slate and give you a massive edge. So just make sure you're checking the Discord and follow along with everything. That's going to wrap it up here for Thursday. We'll be back tomorrow. I think I'm going to talk esports on the podcast tomorrow, too. Like, I'm going to watch both these CSGO matches. There's not a lot going on tomorrow. I'll probably talk about Sunday night football, Monday night football, and uh, the CSGO slate for Friday on tomorrow's podcast. If you guys want anything else talked about, hit me up on Twitter. If not, uh, that's going to wrap it up here. And uh, hope everyone... Enjoy some college football, enjoy some NFL, and uh, we'll see you guys again tomorrow.